Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we live the rock and roll lifestyle with the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Thomas Johnston. <laughs> Wild Stallions. I'm Thomas Johnston. Ripping baselines. The grating voice in my ear is my sister, Mary Johnston. It's me. Hello. It's not very grating. You should do more of a more of a uh, same kind of an impression. Do you wish that I was doing um, a Gilbert Gottfried impression right now? <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Are there modern comedians who have whose like gimmick is like I have an annoying voice? There must be. Or an interesting voice. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like, I think an interesting voice helps you. Here's what. Here's what I have wondered. So, Maria Bamford, maybe? you're in France, right? Any you're in France. You're in France. You're well, not anymore because now pay they have a euro to use the toilet to urine in France. Um, and you are dubbing movies, right? Like you're like dubbing uh-huh. movies, and so you're dubbing Aladdin. Do you try to find a French person that sounds like Gilbert Gottfried? Well, I mean, like, I, I, I guess there must be or a, a person who speaks French. Or are you like, Gil, you gotta learn French. <laughs> Only you can do this, Gil. Yeah, I don't know. You know, Gilbert Godfrey has a podcast, like, apparently a kind of popular podcast where he just, like, talks to famous people. <laughs> I know, I've heard it advertised. It sounds like it would be not very not very pleasant to listen to, I'll be honest with you. But I've also wondered no, this about great. just, like, so Tom Hanks also has, like, a very distinctive voice. Do you find, do you find a French person who can do, or a person who speaks French, that can do an impression of Tom Hanks? Or do you just, like, get somebody else who has a distinctive voice? And then... If you are if you are dubbing, you've got mail and also sleepless in Seattle. Do you try to get the same guy? I don't know. Getting a little hairy here. Do do do. What are we doing today, Thomas? So we are doing, for crying out loud. You know I love you. This is an episode about Marty Slash, a sleazy rock promoter who's sick of his life. He staged a phony fundraiser for the Amazon, the forest, not the company, and raised $1 million. Mm. Money which he plans to steal and jet away with to live a new life in sunny Portugal. <laughs> Everything is on track until a small forgotten voice in his head makes itself heard. Excellent synopsis. Do, do, do. Yeah. But most of all, this was directed by a man named Jeffrey Price and written by <laughs> Jeffrey Price and Peter a Seaman. Um, that's a tough name. <laughs> It's a tough name. It's like a uh, joke name. <laughs> so Jeffrey Price. Hello, is uh, is Pete Pete Seaman in your? It's terrible. This P.S. Is, this is, Seaman. Oh come on. <laughs> um. I see. Do you see me, P? I see you, P. <laughs> Here's what's bad, Mary. We, we like like does a joke around at this point, but these people are like actual real people. <laughs> These are actual real people. We're just like, <laughs> we're basically not even. They're not even like. They're not. It's not even like that level of fakeness for like famous people. Where you're like, you know, I mean, nobody's gonna be like, oh, you ripped on Donald Trump. What's he gonna do? Come get me? <laughs> like, 
Yeah, you know what our, uh, you know what we're our, like, we're like, you know what these we're mean ch- shitting on like journeyman screenwriters and stuff. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, you know what our cutting words make Peter feel. That hmm. there's a chilly California wind is blowing down our bodies again. I will make this a I will make this an all meatloaf podcast if you let me. Um, oh man. Uh, so Price Bad and Seaman are a writing yeah. duo. So this is the only thing that Jeffrey Price ever directed. Price and Seaman mm-hmm. are a writing duo, however, that have brought us such wackiness as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Cool. cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Wild that, Wild that makes West. Sense, ah. And Shrek the Third. Ah. Wait, is, <laughs> which one's the one where like the, the princes are getting high in the carriage on Frankincense and Myrrh? Is that Shrek the Third or is that Shrek Dose? I cannot tell you. I'm pretty sure I've never seen Shrek the Donkey. Third. The the personnel in this in this picture, this this miniature television <laughs> film. This rock this rock and roll picture. <laughs> Show for the yeah. kids. Let's, let's look at the liner notes. Um, Lee Hold Ardenberg? the big ball of weed up to the camera. Yeah. Lee Ardenberg? Ehrenberg, baby. Lee Ehrenberg? That's what you think? Mary, you're shredding, you're shredding our professionalism. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Ardenberg is Marty Slash. What a great name. Great um, name, yep. Marty Slash fiction. I, when I first watched this episode, I could not quite place where he was from, and then I looked it up, and it and, it, and I found out. No, and I remembered it instantly. <laughs> he is one of the comic relief pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, he's the, he's the one without the glass eye, right? Yeah, yeah. He's the one that does not get the fork stuck in his glass eye. And yeah. he's also one of the lesser smokers in Waterworld. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't remember that. But, and I love Waterworld more than your average bear. Me too. Yeah, I don't remember him. I can't place him in Waterworld. And also, I had extreme difficulty um, finding finding like any screen grab or like scene with him in it. So I don't think that he's like a. Uh, he does. He he does have like the perfect look to be the guy who's like, hey, you're right, boss. And then like, yeah, yeah, gets yeah. like he's, he's thrown like, out a window in like a fit of peak by like a a a, a uh, you know like a sort of fabulous villain kind of thing. Um, I think what you're suggesting you is... You bore me. I think what you're suggesting is he has resting toady face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hard. Next up, we have uh, Katie Segal, who is uh-huh. Miss Kilabasser or Kilbasa. Um, yeah. And she's by far the most famous person in this episode. And maybe, I mean, like, we've had other really famous people, but I feel like we have, like, kind of a run of nobodies for a while. And she's yeah. definitely a somebody because she's Peg Bundy. From Married with Does Children. Does Arnold Schwarzenegger count? <laughs> well, I mean, like the last couple episodes, like nobody yeah, yeah, from no, the sure, sacrifice sure. was that in, was that big of a deal. Uh, Ironsides, I guess. Important. Yeah, yeah. Ironsides. No, I don't yes. know, but I think she's more famous than Ironsides, um, or probably, at least more probably. recognizable. Like I think Irons people see Ironsides and things, but like when you see, uh, yeah, between Married, Sagal, married with Children you, and then Futurama. Kinda, yeah, yeah, you think Peg Bundy, you think uh, Leela. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leela but- and Stitch, who can forget that? Fu- <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sorry. interesting. But of course, this role pre- predates both of those things. So she was relatively unknown at this time. 
Which is kind of funny because when she shows up, don't you feel like it's a little bit like a ta-da moment? Yeah, no, for sure. That's what I say. She comes on so big and and like, like you're just like, wait, that's Peg, that's Peg Monday. That's her. You know? Yeah. And and I I feel like they they plug her the same way it would be where it's kind of like, look who it is. Here she is. I don't don't particularly like married with children because, um, because domestic violence upsets me. But yeah, you you don't, you don't like the idea that like he doesn't want to have sex with his wife, but she wants to have sex with him. And that's hilarious. I mean, maybe that could be hilarious. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. I, I just, it's not for him. Oh, no, not for me. Um, but. Uh, feels bad. Feels, feels bad. bad. But I do like her quite a bit. Yeah. I, and I love, you know what, actually, my favorite role she ever does is Smart House, the Disney Channel original series, or original movie, <laughs> Smart House, where she is, where she is credited as House. Um, she's the house. The other person Mary, let's, who's let's, in this... I know, I know it's very unprofessional to just, just break in here, but let me pitch an alternate podcast to you that we could do. Just watch Disney Channel original movies, Xenon, Girl 21st Century, Smart House, any number of weird, mediocre Halloween specials. Well, maybe after I calculated how long... Think about it. Yeah. I've done 120 episodes or whatever. It will take us to do this. It's like it's like three years, I think. Yeah. yeah. Then we can do... Then we could do a Disney Channel original series, or maybe we can... T- Take like a little. If by some uh, miracle, I'm still alive in three and a half years. We can do it. <laughs> or we need to pick some other show that nobody ever watches. The Detroiters. That would be a great one. Oh, man. I love the Detroiters. I feel like we have to be from Detroit, though, if we're going to do it. We'll just pretend uh, to be from Detroit. Show us. So Michigan good. accents. More importantly, Iggy Pop is in this one as Iggy Pop. No um, way. So did you did you think it was funny? Because when I was watching it, I felt like Iggy Pop was especially Iggy Popish, like to the point that if he was an actor, you'd be like, I think that's a little bit of disrespect. It seems a little disrespectful. The way he what I thought was funny about it is <laughs> it seemed to me like, do you recall the episode of um, of the X-Files where they have like the like the masks does animal husbandry with people and it ends with sh- with a share impersonator singing Walking in Memphis and everybody dances? Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's that yeah, black and white one, and 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 Cher loves X Files. She was supposed to be on the show. She couldn't be because of like scheduling conflicts. So they just, of course, get like an impersonator, and it's great. Um, but the way this is shot, like you never see Iggy Pop from like, like he's always like you see his whole body the whole time. Like he's shot from mm-hmm. very far away, and yeah, kind of it's low like angle, such, yeah, yeah, and it's such like a a large performance. I was like. Why did they like? Why didn't they just get someone to pretend to be Iggy Pop to do this? It wouldn't have been different. I don't know. So I agree. Yeah, I guess what I I'm know. saying in a long form way is I 100% agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> he's too real. It's hyper reality. And then um, we also have Sam. I don't know how to say his last name either. Kinnison. Ken- yeah, Sam. Famously Kinnison. obnoxious comedian. Yes, and he is Marty's conscience in this. Always let mm-hmm. your conscience be your guide. Can we do just a mashup of Jiminy Cricket and uh, and Meatloaf as like a constant backing while we do this? Also, I did not realize until very recently that his name is literally spelled Jiminy Cricket as opposed to just Jimmy Cricket. Yeah, yeah, no, it's Jiminy. That's horrifying. <laughs> James, James Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Cricket. Um, <laughs> James Jeffrey Cricket. Jameson Cricket. Thank you. Um, oh, I, I got a good one. Sam Kinison, who is basically the Lewis Black of the 80s. <laughs> this whole act is basically like, watch him yell on stage and hope he doesn't have a big fat heart attack. 
Sam? That's yeah, not a fat joke. It's just like he gets so worked up. Do you know that he was a former Pentecostal preacher? I did know that, but I think it's because I accidentally watched some sort of like biopic about him on Netflix once. <laughs> accidentally. And then you were like, well, I can't, I can't, don't <laughs> can't change horse midstream. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Ten and a half minutes into this, I'm here for, gonna just ride that. <laughs> You're like, this is what I thought the, <laughs> this is not what I thought Ken Burns prohibition was gonna be like. Oh, no. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So he's just—he's a little bit low-key. Looks like meatloaf too. I mean, you couldn't right, tell I, from this, from this, from this picture because I mean, true boys. fans of meatloaf can spot him from a mile away. But <laughs> the meatloaf true heads. Um, but meatloafers, uh, if you will. <laughs> but I didn't realize. So, so Sam uh, Kinison was friends with Rod- uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Doesn't that make all the sense in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Who died and made you the Pope of this dump? Yeah, Can you imagine terrible. going to dinner with the two of them? <laughs> I mean, what, what, if they're like real, what if they're just real buttoned down and like like sedate in real life? They're just real chill. I mean, like, because like Rodney Dangerfield, like, right, like who else is probably moving in that circle? Like Don Rickles. <laughs> oh, he's coming up. Are we doing Rickles? We're doing Rickles in like two yeah, episodes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Rickles comes up. Yep, 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 yep. Mr. Mm. Warmth himself. They must have uh, they must have just been going around to like some of the more uh, economically priced watering holes of L.A. and just beating them at, beating around with a stick until they they out oust these guys. They were just they were just they were like the Friars Club. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, let's shake out. Let's shake out the drunks corner of the Friars Club. Let's put them all on our show. Um <laughs> Maybe this was before, like, roasts, before, like, the roast industrial complex happened. So this was, like, the way for these guys to be seen. Maybe. All right. So we want to get into this episode? Let's do it. Okay. Once so, again so with so, the electric chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's my first yeah, note. I mean, Once again with the electric chair. So you asked me. <laughs> what it again with Tales from the Crypt. And again with the electric chair. You know what? Every Damn. time, it, what it did make me think is I was like, man, they really are making the most of that prop. Whatever they the, paid okay. for that prop, they they got a good deal. They use it a lot. I So I, I just had a dumb thought that I worked my way out of, but I think it's funny. Do you think it's the same one they use for the Crypt Keeper? <laughs> it's not because it's Tiny Puppet. But well, maybe he's in it. Maybe he's in. That uh, means there are at least two. Maybe he's People in John per giant person role mode when he's yeah. in that oh well but, but like it's definitely it's got to be definitely the same one they used from the man who is death and you also, have to hope so yeah and also like also uh also the um demi moore one mm-hmm. yeah. it's gotta be i mean why would they buy multiple electric chairs <laughs> this big sale but uh, I, i've seen your like remember the Adams Family movie, which came out kind of kind of around this time, you know, you, you know, give or take three four years. Um, sure. I feel like there were a lot of electric chairs in that. Yeah, I, uh, I, early nineties. You know, it was all Dead Man Walking and uh, electric chairs and spoof comedy movies, spoof horror movies. I mean, maybe what it was is it was like the rise of lethal injection and like and just prisons were having giant giant depressing estate sales. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Oof. Oof. Anyway, no, how dark would okay? Look, no, 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 how dark would it be to have a have a retired electric <laughs> a chair? Real, a real electric chair. <laughs> yeah, like an old war horse electric chair. But people people have been cooked and like you know 
poop their pants for the final time on. As as the man who would the man who was death would say, done the hot squat. <laughs> it's like a real black beauty situation. You just follow the life of an electric chair. <laughs> Starting out glamorous at like a at like a, a mid a mid century prison where everyone's all like shiny and there's optimism <laughs> everywhere. It's somewhere between a terrible Bill Bryson novel or like book <laughs> and the Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> oh, Bill, please write that book. <laughs> wow. It'll be like, be like, ever want to laugh so hard you cry miserable tears? Here's the book for you. Um, so I wonder, so my first thing, again, with the electric chair, maybe, maybe uh, the moral of this one is capital punishment just works. <laughs> capital punishment is a mercy for people who are tormented by their guilty, uh, guilty, annoying, obnoxious consciences. Yeah. But I think uh, I think the service level moral, if you were like watching this as we all do with one eye on the television, one eye on your phone, like a goddamn millennial is uh, potentially there are some things worse than death, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. uh, having a a, guilty conscience, having all those obnoxious insult comic constantly prattling in your head, (laughs) just yelling constantly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I so I, I I feel like we haven't talked about this in a little bit because um, we to prefer to talk about you know um, episodes that could could be about uh, spousal abuse or you know um, postpartum or yeah postpartum depression or something like that. But this this episode in particular is a little bit cartoony and definitely would work for kids. Like as a kid, I, I don't remember seeing this as a, as a kid. But if you watched as a kid, you'd be like, oh, I understand what's happening here. This is amazing and great. <laughs> Yeah, in a way I, that in a way that some of these other ones might not work quite quite as well, but like this totally get it. Yeah, I feel like if you animated this and removed the uh, electric chair scene at the end, this could absolutely be for kids. Right. Yeah. Also, maybe you would have to take out some of the swears. Iggy Pop probably couldn't be in the in the pair production. <laughs> that, that that very brief um, boob shot from the crowd would have to go, and Miss Kilbosser would probably not. They couldn't have the like you're a hooker oh, and condom jokes off. Man, yeah, it's true. No, there's not yeah, much cut, that has to be removed. Cut and must both this episode's cut to the bone. Cut, cut it down for children. Um, oh, but then maybe you'd have to have like Marty, <laughs> Marty slash being like, and now introducing the Wiggles, which would be kind of funny. Um, yeah. They so also don't, kids don't also don't know about concert promoters. Would so have to be like Marty stole all the candy for the third grade raffle. Oh, God. You know what? I bet there is 100% an episode that is exactly like this, except for children, uh, from Saved by the Bell. <laughs> no, false. Zach Morris does not have a conscience. <laughs> it's just, it, Zach Morris does have a, has more of a Greek chorus acting as his, uh, as his conscience, which is everyone around him, which he patently ignores. Constantly. What it, what it actually is, is it's just like Zach Morris stops to listen to his conscience and there's just this sound of howling emptiness. Like they dropped a microphone down the Grand Canyon. Just like, <laughs> like, like the fake Grand Canyon noise. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Wow. That's dark. <laughs> I like it. Um, I actually, I really like this though. Like I thought when I first watched this, I was like, oh, I mean, like I enjoyed it. Definitely. I think this is a fun episode, but mm-hmm. I, um, 
But I also didn't feel like I felt like it was like pretty uncomplicated. But then the more I started digging at it, the more complexity I found. Oh ho! Oh ho! As so, so, so often the case. Um, did you did you have anything like that? What did you think the moral was? No, I think um, I think the moral is pretty straightforward um, in terms of like being tortured by a guilty conscience and all that kind of stuff. And there's, I feel like there's a little bit of like telltale heart sort of, I mean, it's kind of here. And, but I do think that there is fertile ground to talk about things like guilt. Um, I also think that they use, I feel like sound is used as kind of recurrent motif in kind of a fun way here um, in terms of what's loud and what people can hear. And I think Mar- Marty sort of, con- this voice is sort of conceived of as, so, so the way it works, right? Like, it's, I, I love the scene where Marty goes to the, is at the like ENT at the beginning. <laughs> the guy's mm-hmm. like, he's like, you've ruined your hearing with all that loud music. Cause he hears, he's starting to hear something and it's his conscience like waking up and like l- speaking to him, which mm-hmm. is fu- it, funny. I love it. I, and I like any stupid doctor bar part though. <laughs> um, I did like, I did like how he kept like being like very hammy around that doctor and the doctor was like, no, I'm, I'm very concerned about your health. <laughs> Doctor has yeah. such a subdued performance compared to literally everybody else in this piece. Everybody is like literally a cartoon. I, I did think actually this is not not answering your question at all, but I did think they did a good job. Sam Kennison does a pretty good job of kind of having a voice that's like sort of like Marty's but more obnoxious. And I think that did you know what I mean? Like yeah, it, they, it they, matches. They kind of match a little they bit. They match. Um, it, it makes sense in a way where like in a cartoon or like other movies, you know, where, where like the inner voice is just the actor sort of voiceovering to themselves. Yeah. I think also maybe it speaks to us in the sort of um, nihilistic, obsessed with uh, obsessed with con artist age that we're living in. I think we like stories that are basically like, no, 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 guys, get it. Get this. We are the architects of our own misfortune. <laughs> it's us. We're the baddies inside of us. So I think that that's definitely yeah. in here a bit like where it's sort mm-hmm. of like being bad is so like being bad is not i think in this story being bad is not natural we're suggesting that the biological imperative is not to be bad our biological imperative is to be good and we choose to ignore it and be and and do bad things but that's antithetical Mm -hmm. to how we are wired as people so much so that our cognitive self will break off to act independently from the rest of us to set things right and like Mm -hmm. and and that and that going against your biological imperative is what is what will cause justice to rain down on you um i, I thought right like why, why do why do we even need the police the bad guys will just tell on themselves it's, this is self-evident yeah we can just have like we can have just a court of popular opinion i do think i did i did <laughs> marty slash is canceled problematic i did like that though because it was sort of like an existential uh existential fate or existential mm-hmm. natural order you know a lot of these things a lot of stories about from tales in the crypt have um have like sort of like big supernatural things sweeping down to take down the bad guy or the person mm-hmm. who is acting immorally and i kind of liked that this was just this was just like the way that we're wired as people i enjoyed that mm-hmm. plus i think that framing it because i thought a lot about uh, definitely the hearing element is important and and we tie it in with the music stuff there but i think mm-hmm. that potentially having it sort of ha- in this whole performative casing so that's like the that's like the the set piece and then mm-hmm. having 
little underappreciated behind the scenes people running around like Kilbasa, who's just like, you know, a bank clerk and Marty, who's just a just, you know, like a a promoter. Right. Yeah. It's like a rock club owner. Yeah. Who knows? But like not not front a front man who are running around and having these little schemes. I think it's interesting that it's still like people are still watching you like all the world's a stage Mm -hmm. kind of stuff like people Mm -hmm. are noticing you and will blow up your schemes so much so mm. that even you are watching you and you will blow up your own schemes. Mm. Um, I thought that that was an interesting element as well in this story. Yeah. Although I, I do think that this does kind of hew to exactly the uh, Tales from the Crypt sort of party line, even if it uh, doesn't uh, necessarily use overtly supernatural means and that it is sort of a uh, like a like a kind of conservative utopian sort of thing. Like, like if... <laughs> If the story of Marty Slash is crime and punishment, <laughs> well, it kind of is. It's right, right. crime and punishment, the, right? But but if it is, you know, right? It it it, it hews to Dostoevsky's message, which is sort of like, which is sort of like, look, don't listen to Lenin, don't listen to those Western people. Why don't you just? We have the Orthodox Church. Yeah, just listen to that. You know, sort of the, I, sort of, I, I guess Dostoevsky really isn't doesn't. I don't think quite counts, but sort of the proto like Slavophile kind of uh, kind of reading. You know, instead of Instead of later, um, like the Soviet critics and stuff, who would be like, no, I think it's cool that he ganked that pawnbroker. <laughs> you know, like, that's what we did. Do it again. Do it again. hundred times. Um, hundred times. Don't feel bad. Hero. Secret hero. But no, but this is absolutely like crime and punishment with a little telltale heart mashed on top of it. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Who would have thought such classy source materials could give give the runway to a little emaciated California raisin puppet cracking lewd jokes <sighs> about guitar fingering. Oh man. Oh, so at the beginning, is he wearing, this, I'm probably, I'm probably totally off base. Is he wearing kind of like a little bit of Kurt Cobain wig at the beginning? I think so. I think and he's so. Wearing a, I like the, he wears a Marty Slash t-shirt too. I think that's cool. I do think that's funny too. I thought it looked kind of like a Marilyn Monroe wig that they tried mm-hmm. to make look rock. Oh yeah. Maybe he's, yeah. Maybe he's supposed to look like, like poison or yeah, white Yeah. That was, like that. that was more my thing. Yeah. But I yeah. think it's a woman's wig that they like tried to rat up into something different and it only sort of makes it. Yeah. Wait, did we ever figure out how big that puppet is? Can it wear a human wig? Is it like a doll wig? Maybe, maybe it was just like, <laughs> maybe it is a doll wig. Can we, can we agree that Miss um, Kilbasser or Kilbasa, I like that she is like in the credits, she's Kilbasser, but in my subtitles, she, she, like on the official Tales from the Crypt DVD, buy on Amazon.com, John Kassir gets exactly 45 cents. Um, and we it, get it, like she, a portion mis- of a cent. Yeah. She's Miss Kilbasa. <laughs> Um, anyway, her plan is a real, like, Jabba's plat- Palace Return of the Jedi plan where you're like, so she dresses up like a groupie and infiltrates Marty's office so she can tempt him with sex and then reveal who she is and blackmail him for half the money by threatening him with the pol- But, like, why, why, why did she have to get dressed up to do that? She had to get into his office, Thomas. It's a completely what? brilliant plan. But, but like, why? She doesn't even, like, see the money. It's not, you know, it's not like, hey, babe, you want to see the million bucks I'm stealing? From because the- she can't just, like, she can't just, like, stick her foot in the door and be like, hey, I have blackmail I'd like to do. He doesn't even know who she is, though. <laughs> yeah. She could just be, I mean, she could do it over the phone. 
In fact, in fact, he's she's less likely to be murdered with a particularly sharp guitar. <laughs> with a very heavy guitar. I, I will point out to you that... <laughs> My axe. I will point out to you, though, that if she doesn't come in person and then lick Marty's ear so she, he lets her in, because mm-hmm. she's going to sex him, he thinks, that... <laughs> he thinks they will do all of the sex. <laughs> he thinks that they will, in fact, have sexual intercourse. That uh, <laughs> wait, that his wait, conscience, really? his conscience is not like you need the, the the play where his conscience is like, oh man, no, 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 this is not right. Whereas Marty's like, it's absolutely right. I'm completely, I have no sense of danger or gut check at all. Um, but like, okay, why? But the conscience wants him to get. Why, why is the conscience trying to get him to not do sex with Miss Kilbosser? The conscience knows that something bad is about to happen, and also the conscience doesn't really want her to commit blackmail either. They want him to you do the so? right thing and return the money or send the money to the rainforest where it belongs. <laughs> Can we talk Chief Kabooby and the huge million dollar novelty check? And then like the like weird like dirtbag gutter punk kind of crowd. Like those people that are like, yeah, rainforest. I'm also I also do not mean to speak ill of Mr. Pop, but I, I is Iggy Pop like a big environment? I mean he might be. Like I, I, I could would be see that. I don't know. Yeah. He is, in fact, not dead, correct? I don't think so. Yeah. Or if... No, not... That's shocking. <laughs> he did a lot of drugs! Yeah. 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 He did a lot of drugs. Cheap kabooby. Yeah, no, there's a there's a couple of problematic moments. I think even the fact that the, um, the, the rainforest native person is an actor does not mean that that caricature is not upsetting and then also i mean i mean yeah although it, it does make i mean it, it it is better that they're like yeah this is totally phony and disrespectful yeah, and they lampshade it. it that's better than them being like and then he then he like if it, that's supposed to be like the real chief and then he's just like see you later chief i'll give you the million bucks like that would be worse i think yeah that's true <laughs> i also think <laughs> actually what i think is funny is it's like marty's going out of his way to fool people who i think do not care no, like i don't no, no. think like those people don't care. No one's gonna call him on it. Um, and also, then the scene in the ur- in the urinal where there's a drag queen peeing, and oh, yeah. he's like, "Yes, oh, what's the matter, Queenie? You never seen a psychopath before?" I was like, yeah. a little unnecessary, but okay." Right. You know what I like to talk about? Let's talk about guilt. Literary l- l- guilt is a literary device. Is Marty just like Prince Hamlet? I mean, Prince Hamlet no? is who you're thinking of. <laughs> what with Shakespeare? I thought you were talking about Macbeth. Oh no no Macbeth too. Okay, I, I, he's more he's more of a lady. Mac, I, I feel like he's more of a lady Macbeth figure than a Prince Hamlet figure. Okay, okay. Because Hamlet is sort of Hamlet. I think is 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 driven by guilt, but also he's Hamlet is almost a Oedipal figure in that I think he has he 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 has not like he's driven mad sort of or driven to do crazy things by by like not by knowledge that he can't ignore. Whereas like Lady Macbeth is driven mad by guilt for having done crimes. Yeah. Ah, speaking of edible complexes, you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. to say about guilt as a as an external force within your own body. Freud. <laughs> Sophocles. <laughs> Sophocles, is that you? No, but we will oh, yeah? get to Socrates okay. later. Hit me. Hit. Or I'm saying Sophocles, <laughs> the, 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 the Greek tragedist. But no, tell, tell me. Tell me. Hit me. Um, hit me with that good psychology minor. Ooh, ooh, so nice. Ooh, ooh, ooh. ooh, ooh. Mm. Um, so I really liked... Mm. <laughs> I like cigars. <laughs> I really liked the fact that you had guilt as like an external force. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that your, your the guilty part or your conscience part of your brain is not in line with the rest of your psyche and mm-hmm. that can inf- impact your mental health as a whole and of mm-hmm. course uh psychologists and psychiatrists and philosophers have like thought about this for a long time because guilt is you know kind of a base human emotion and everyone has their own little spin on it so um freud uh is the most famous and deals with guilt a lot right and so he believes that guilt is a defense mechanism that we experience to protect ourselves from digging in deeply into how awful our desires really are. And of course, because it's Freud, he believes that these horrible desires are our desire to bone our own parents. That sure, guilt yeah. like protects us. So it's this Freud's like Freud's like, without guilt or human society, I mean, we'd all just be like sitting around having sex with our moms and killing our dads, right? It's not right, just guys? Me, right? right, guys? Right? It yeah. doesn't have anything everybody, to do with the fact that those are those are normal but wrong desires. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that my mom died and then my dad remarried a woman younger than me. Surely no. <laughs> it's very Hollywood. Mm. Uh, oh, no. Entour- it's like entourage, but Freud's. But Freud's it's dad. Like a bunch Freud of, like, is the child. German Freud is a child German. in entourage. <laughs> What's an entourage character name? The only one I know offhand is Turtle. Turtle. Yeah. Turtle. And drama. And uh, no, who's the main entourage guy? Not the guy who's Vince, famous. Vince Lance. I don't know, man. I don't watch that stuff. There's Ari, the guy who's like yeah, Rahm Emanuel's yeah, yeah. brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freud is Freud's dad is Ari. Freud is like is Ari's child, um, <laughs> which is really hilarious thing to think about. But so Freud believes that uh, guilt is a byproduct of your ego, which is like the intellectual <laughs> self that oh right, that, yeah, yeah, sure that allows your id to have kind of what it wants, but within both in certain mm-hmm. parameters that follow realities, um, that follow reality and uh, are usually more socially acceptable. And mm-hmm. then our super ego, which are the cultural rules that are imposed on us. Um, oh, okay. usually... I was, I was going to ask about that because I don't have good understanding of that. But yeah, is yeah. your super ego supposed to be? No, no, no. So, so is the super ego like... Basically, your ego is just like, is it's it's categorized as unorganized thought so it's more mm-hmm. like it's more like um you know like you have you have a toddler it's like when she's mm-hmm. like i'm hungry now that's what that mm-hmm. is she's that's not un, that's an organized thought whereas you as an adult person have your ego is like mm-hmm. is like controlling your id so you can be like i'm hungry now but i'm not gonna say anything i'm just gonna promise myself that i get to go to wendy's on the way home like that's your that's your ego sure, sort of like your organized like. thought being like i have this base impulse now what do i do with it okay and the super ego is like and i'm not gonna drive my car off the road and hit a toddler because that would be wrong well actually your super <laughs> ego would be more like but I'm not actually going to go to Wendy's, even though that's what I want the most, because it's bad for me. I'm going to go home. Because people think I'm fat. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to go home and have lentils and brown rice, because that's what I should do to stay in I society. See. So it's sort of you. more like, yeah. and the, yeah, there's some overlap right there. I mean, like, so what you're this saying happened is like a billion goes... years ago. Freud didn't even know about Wendy's, so he couldn't draw these brilliant yeah. Uh, That's right. But <laughs> this whole thing is just about like stopping at a cigar bar or a cabaret. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, I just have to keep smoking these enormous cigars so I don't want to bone my my mother in law. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, the, which the rules of society. So what you're saying is the super ego is just a, like a bunch of fake BS that keeps us from having a good time. Totally. Um, but so living my best life. 
So uh, Freud also says the obstacle of an unconscious sense of guilt is the most powerful mm-hmm. obstacle to recovery. So if you mm-hmm. don't, if your unconscious self has these feelings of guilt, it's mm-hmm. very hard to get over. So that's why he like that's why Freud likes to sit down, especially ladies, um, on a couch <laughs> and make him make them talk to him for years and years and years, so he can fix their quote unquote hysteria. Because he's like, "What are you guilty about?" And they're like, "I don't know, nothing." What are you guilty are you, about? Are you feeling bad about how much sex you want to have with your therapist? No, I'm pretty sure that's not it. Are you sure about that? Especially have you seen when my enormous a- cigar? <laughs> When you see horses in the park, do you think of me? (laughs) (laughs) So bad. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah, I'm I'm also laughing about a Jerry Lewis, a Jerry Lewis vanity project where he's like doing, trying to take like a dramatic turn. It's a Sigmund Freud biopic. Ladies. Ladies. Hey, nice lady. Yeah, he uh, this is also he also is like is very wary of guilt and wants to get down into the root of your guilt because he thinks that it's driven by this like weird mixture of your unconscious self having fears of consequences that your Uh conscious self isn't super aware of. Right. Yeah. So you're like afraid and you have like you have neuroses about things in your life, but you can't intellectually explain them because they're all like deep, deep, deep down in there. And so, hey, so, no, no, you're right, you're right. So, but I, I get it, I get it. So Freud sort of so is saying Freud like, kind of feels like being all, yeah, being all twisted up about like secret bad feelings you have is not not good. Well, but, he kind but of also thinks, guilt. He kind of oh, thinks yeah. that guilt and conscience is like a bad thing. That you're like not uh-huh. your your ego, your 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 id, your ego, and your super ego are out of line, and that you need to like root around in there and figure out what the problem is. Not everyone, sure. not everyone thinks this. So Socrates, uh, mm-hmm. maybe you've heard of him, father of Greek philosophy. Hmm. Uh, father of all, philo- all Western philosophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, Euthyphro. What is the nature of virtue? Yeah. <laughs> cartoon cat, Socrates. <laughs> um, he's not a cartoon cat because he's, he believes this about himself, which I think a cat would just be like, absolutely not. He claims that what made him such the specialist boy in all of Greek town was that he was born <laughs> with a highly advanced personal demon, which in this case and that time period was basically code for power. Yeah, yeah. it's like uh, it's like the um, the what's it called? The Materials trilogy, that thing where people have little diamonds that run around. They made like one movie. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Captain Planet. Yeah, he can't yeah. talk to animals, but he does have a conscience because that's what he says yeah. his power is. He yeah. said that the gods conscience. He said <laughs> virtue, <laughs> conscience, Ethics. flossing every time I brush. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the gods <laughs> specially gave him this as a gift. Um, and he says that his demon is an internal oracle, um, meaning that when he would be doing something and it would be and he behaving wrongly, the oracle would be like, hey, cut it out. <laughs> hey, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Feels um, bad, Marty. Feels bad. Hey, Socrates. Socrates. <laughs> um, but when he was doing the, the correct and virtuous thing, then his oracle would just <laughs> shut the hell up. So <laughs> no one look, man, what a what a what a 
What a jerk. What a jerk. Like, passive aggressive. Like, as it turns out, I'm the only person with a conscience. Truly a miraculous gift from or, the gods. That's conscience. how I know the difference between right and wrong. No wonder they made him poison himself. Right? No, you what can imagine. Jackass. You can imagine Socrates, like, n- snagging, snagging his, not, like, overly taking a part of, a, like, a pizza and people being like, hey, Socrates. Plato hasn't even had one piece yet. And he's like, well, but here's the thing. My oracle didn't say anything. So I guess this pizza belongs to me by divine right. (laughs) What a jerk. The oracle's never wrong. Listen to the demon. My inner demon is saying this is great. Or is not saying anything at all. It's keeping its yap shut. (laughs) Um, Aristotle, Aristotle writes, still a kid, like goes by on a skateboard. Eat my shorts, man. Yeah, but so then you have so you have sort of this like this the, these two things where Freud is like your your inner desires are at, at at odds with society, and that is why you are that is why you cannot that is why you're not allowed to have an orgasm. Um, yeah, right, and yeah. then Socrates is like, no, 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 having a conscience is super cool. Mine came from God. Hmm. Yeah, mine is a god. <laughs> but my favorite one, and I think the one that I that relates the best to this particular story is Charles Darwin. So Charles Darwin mm-hmm. talks about the conscience and he says it evolves in humans to resolve the conflict between your nat- your natural impulse towards self-preservation and your all your equally natural impulse towards uh, community and forming family units. So you have sort of these selfish desires, that's your self-preservation. I want all of the pizza better mm-hmm. get to the pizza before others do but you <laughs> but additionally you know you Back know off, plato <laughs> but initially you know that if you let plato have some of your pizza he might also let you live in his cave so <laughs> which will be great because it's gonna rain soon and you're on an island that is full of turtles so you need to get over there plus all those shadow figures on the wall very entertaining yes. so entertaining you don't even know they're not the real world Mm-hmm. And depending on where you live in the world and what your social construct is, y- your sure. self-preservation handle or your family and community handle can be like tweaked in different directions, depending on mm-hmm. if you're more of a like self-involved society versus a communal society. And that determines what your conscience is. And I think that that's like pretty, pretty bang on in my that's opinion. That's awesome. I, f- I feel like this is like, I, I was unaware of this particular aspect of like Darwin's writings or whatever. Um, this seems hilarious to me because like how many like TLC, like science of evolution, neurobiologists where they're like trying to be like, why would anybody raise a child that didn't belong to that wasn't genetically theirs? <laughs> like, like Charles Darwin is like, yeah, obviously there is <laughs> there's sort of a there is sort of a like like empathy makes sense. You don't like we don't you don't have to be a, like like a complete being a complete self-serving jerk actually is not especially evolutionarily useful yeah or it also explains like occasionally you'll see things where um usually evangelicals are like well how do they even know what to do unless god tells them and you're like well Well, because evolutionarily it makes sense that we have we have senses of we have morality that's why wait hold on so those evangelicals don't believe that everybody has a demon they just believe there's one demon that's telling you what to do see the evangelicals actually don't think that they think a demon's a bad thing they should have a word with uh with socrates while he's eating all of their pizza Uh, (laughs) socrates is like feels good feels good man i my demon is telling me that i get to have the all of the pieces of cake that have a frosting rose on them (laughs) 
Man, but, Socrates is like a weird culty, like, like God has told God has just informed me that this is fine. Yeah. But the thing, so for this particular episode, I liked Darwin's theory because you you absolutely hit the nail on the head. It's empathy. He says that yeah. the requirement of a conscience is to view uh, is that you have the capacity to see yourself from another person's point of view. So you can mm-hmm. like, so even if you live in a more self-involved society, you're still that community, that community, like in community is secondary. It's still important. You still have to be able to do that to live in society. That's why psychopaths are believed not to have a conscience at all because they lack the ability to empathize with other people. They don't, um, they don't have that that gland that lets you hear what the demon says. Yeah, and I think in this story, <laughs> exactly. They, well, they didn't they didn't have the divine light implanted listen, in their brain. Nor right, listen, listen, listen to my TED talk. And n- <laughs> nor nor did they have uh, nor did they have Freud who was like, yes, I want to have sex with my stepmom. What? What? It's fine. It's fine. It's Freud, fine. I, wait. So so in some sense, I and mean, this is like super simplification, or whatever. It's almost like Freud is like, yeah, you should all be like that psychopath. It's cool not to feel bad about what you want. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of. I mean, well, his yeah. whole thing is like, I don't know. Freud no, I get is- it. Like, like. No, I understand. It's sort of a like, but like this idea you have, if you have a bunch of like subsumed guilt or you're all twisted up about stuff that you don't consciously know. I mean, we all like we all know people like it's we all know people who are like this. And you want to be like, dude, I I know what your issue is. I don't think you do. <laughs> I think you're interested. <laughs> Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. <laughs> um, so this, this has got to be our sweariest episode. <laughs> But uh, I liked it because I felt like the the whole viewing yourself from another point of view, that is absolutely Marty's problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we he is so tangled up in this conflict with his inner selves that he can't imagine that that's not what's causing other people around him in the, like, in the kicker of this episode to, like, mm-hmm. view him with horror and disdain. When he literally has a giant bloody Q-tip hanging out, yeah, his yeah, ear. has has defaced himself. The way that shot is so great, like, and you don't. I feel like you have to watch it again to really get it. Like the way that that it only is trained on his what is his right ear, mm-hmm. uh, whichever. Like, but like, I, I, I think it's I feel his like left it's, ear, if I recall correctly. Yeah, but maybe, yeah, 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 you only ever yeah. see like the right side of his body. Yeah, right. But the way it's, but I feel like it's at least for me. Maybe I'm a. I probably just no, no, no. I, I but like the way it's shot, you're not, you're not, you're. Yeah. The first time you see it, it doesn't look. We- it doesn't look weird. They're not going out of their way. It's just the way it's shot. But then you watch again, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty good, pretty good. Everybody kind of looks at him and gets grossed out, and he's like, "Oh, they can tell." The his he is convinced that this voice is like issuing forth from his ear like an amplifier. I did love that. I like how Marty feels like the voice is coming out of his ear, like his ears are yeah. the mouth for his brain. Right, but 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 also remember when he like covers his ears and, the mouth and it works. The sound becomes muffled. Yeah, yeah and it works. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought I liked it. I liked the idea of this being a body horror story. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. there. Surprisingly, I like dug through. I mean, there have to be like lots of them. I'm not like the biggest, Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest consumer of body horror, even though I like horror movies. I do Mm -hmm. like David Cronenberg. And as far as I know, there really are only two stories he does really explicitly about guilt. Mm -hmm. And one of them is spider, which isn't really body horror, but is a very good movie, and I would recommend I it. I haven't seen that one. It's good. It's like 2002. It's later Cronenberg. Oh, and nah. then, uh, but then the Brood is another good yeah, example yeah, yeah. of this. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that's what I thought you were gonna. Yeah, which is like even I've seen that one. Physical <laughs> manifestations of guilt, literally popping out of a woman like she's a gremlin. <laughs> so creepy. It's very creepy. Cre- creepy little children. 
Yeah, that's a good movie. We might do that for Space Bros in October. Little 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 murder kids. Yeah. It's a yeah, really good, a good movie. One. Um but uh but external conscience, of course, bring no one no one else to mind except Jiminy Cricket. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And I liked how you would have like an element of body horror would be that you can have a you can have a conscience that like any biological creature its main mission is to survive, but mm-hmm. Unlike the rest of you, which will like, which will pull back from physically hurting yourself, this one does not care. It is external to you and does mm-hmm. not care if you hurt yourself. So sure. you can. So it is. It 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 drives like the kind of the the element of body horror that is about control and internal betrayal and losing control, such that your body mutates and there's like mm-hmm. nothing really you can do about it. Um, I liked a conscience as a as a filler for like um, for chemical waste or disease that usually is the driver of that yeah. kind of story. Oh man, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the uh, the the sort of um, uh, yeah, this actually anticipates my ambush, which is so far I've been talking about like conscience is good, but Marty definitely sees this conscience as like an intrusive like invader voice, like it's like possessed or you know he he is being tor- he is literally being tormented, kind of like people like. The ancient Greeks believed like in the Furies, right? If you did something bad, if you like uh, mm-hmm. killed guests in your house or something, like the Fury, they like they could sick the Furies on you. Who like are these gods of vengeance who like like harass you and drive you mad? And so like he's also sort of beset. Like like what if the voice isn't his conscious? What if the voice is like is 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 this intrusive external evil intellect that's trying you know that in a sense is trying to like keep him from getting away with a crime, but is maybe driving him to murder and 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 destroy his body and then I, I, not really kill himself but kind of kill himself rejoice in yeah, his own what death if what if it's like going back to freud what if it's like his death drive yeah right right or or again like literally the devil <laughs> or literally the devil i mean or like he's like norman bates or potentially mm-hmm. the voices a movie i still haven't seen but i would like to mm-hmm. um yeah i like that i like that reading of it too i feel like yeah, that's not. That's clearly is not like the. Uh, I, I just think that that's a fun, creepy thought. That's not is, clearly that's not what's going on. That's not what the story wants us to think. No, it is upsetting though to like watch his conscience have such disregard for its host body. Like when he's gonna jam that pencil into his ear, his conscience is like, "Do it, do it. I want you to do it. Please do yeah, that." Well, and then when he's in jail, the conscience is just harassing him, like the yeah. whole like where he's telling like hack jokes and stuff to him. Yeah, so, I mean, well, that, the like, conscience has made him go deaf because he's right. done so much bad stuff to his hearing. Right. And but I mean, even then, like and maybe that's supposed to be maybe this is like the least mature conscience. That's how it torments him with guilt by just <laughs> annoying him endlessly. Um, I don't know. I do like it, though, when the voice is like, hey, it's me. I'm your conscience or something, something like that. And Marty's like, but I don't have a conscience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> like, like, that's my deal. <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like, yeah, this is not. I mean, I know, I know that other for some people, but not for me. I don't have that gland. Yeah, I have that. I chopped my demon my out. Appendix. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wore the magic underwear, and the demon can't talk to me now. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is something quite scary. I mean, I think that we like a lot of stories. I'm thinking like other stories where you have sort of like a parasite and a host, and like the yeah. the, the relationship therein. And there definitely mm-hmm. are violent ones. Like Alien comes to mind is obviously like a violent host situation. Um, this, but yeah. but I think I, I think we almost like the idea of like we like stories where it's like here you've got this parasite and it's you and yeah the parasite's bad but also it is you. 
So to hurt it is to harm yourself, and that's no good. So I did kind of like the idea of this parasitic host that does not care at all. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a very scary, that's actually quite scary that there's like a part of your subconscious that that does think that you should probably kill yourself. Yeah, there's this, this makes you think, actually, you know, horror comics, like modern horror comics, some of them, the ones I read, this comes up a lot. Like um, Alan Moore's kind of Lovecraft cycle kind of combines like weird like body horror and and unfortunate sexual assault horror and Mm -hmm. um because it's alan moore and he can just do whatever he wants um it's all genius but anyway in that the like people who are his sort of cthulhu stuff people who are exposed to the mythos that go insane like want to like murder people and like open them up like 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 cuban flowers because somehow that that makes sense in their sort of like in the mythos you know kind of and they they deface themselves and um, uh, Garth Ennis has uh, Crossed, which is like super popular, but is sort of a alternate take on zombies. It's this idea that there's like this virus that makes people get this weird rash on their face. It looks like a cross. But what it does is it removes all like uh, it, like like people just become their ids, I guess. But it's like all murder. It's all basically it's like a way to have zombies who are smart, who want to do murder and rapes constantly, mm. <laughs> you know, and and, 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 and and like it's like a horrific idea. But I think it's also. It's, it's one of these ideas where, like, I don't find it especially pleasant to read about it. But what it is sort of is like, no, no, human beings, you don't get off the hook here. These people, these people are zombies, but really they're just human beings with, like, all of the, the ego and super ego stripped away. Like, they just and, – but and those things are – is full of also, like, body horror and, like, that you know, these people – these zombie-like crossed people will, like – murder each other and kill kill themselves or, and deface themselves and all this kind of stuff. And it's sort of, again, like this. Yeah, they're like this is all, human- dis- this, all right, destructive yeah, this, force. This yeah. like nihilistic thing where like humanity is just, the, yeah, it's just a, yeah. Like people stand wailing atop piles of skulls, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that a large portion of, I mean, like, obviously this is not that hardcore. That's very yeah, yeah. hardcore. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going real bad. Yeah, this is this Alien is lighter. Powers. But I do think that there is like the the end. So the first this this episode opens with, and I actually very effectively. We've seen a couple of tales of crypt where it's not effective to see like a middle or end piece at the beginning and then like mm-hmm. Sunset yeah. Boulevard it all the way back. But I yeah, like yeah. I actually really liked it. So it opens with Marty being like, "Hooray! I'm going to get electrocuted and killed." And you're like, "What's this dude's deal?" <laughs> what the hell and then at the end you have that incredibly sad scene where he's just waiting and his like last meal is in front of him and he's not eating anything and you see like the prison guards like making fun of him and like throwing like mentos mints at his head and Mm. stuff like that Mm. and he can't hear them because he's gone because he's he's deafened himself so that he can try to like control this this out of control voice in his head Mm -hmm. and i i was actually surprised by how poignant i found that moment um Mm -hmm. And I also thought about potentially, you know, like hearing and sound is such a big part of this mm-hmm. story. Um, yeah. That's the, that's that is the body in the body horror. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of liked kind of that that scary isolation of like, you know, we're told that at the end, the end of our days, all we have are ourselves left. Like you have this idea of like, if you can't be alone with yourself, then you're not like a mentally healthy person. Mm-hmm. And the idea of having only your inner self to listen to and you loathe them. <laughs> and the inner voice is Sam Kinison. <laughs> yeah. You like yeah, yeah, hate yeah. that person. And so it's sort of like you almost have this like little little nugget at the center where it's like self-loathing as body horror. Like if you are left alone with yourself. Oh, man. Yeah. It's, Hold on. So 
Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just like, wait, is all body horror self-loathing? Not all of it. Like, I don't think Videodrome is self-loathing. And I yeah. don't think... Yeah, um, I don't think so either. And I don't I'm just th- thinking about, like, you know, like this idea where it's kind of like... Because some of it, it's, at least I think a substantial portion of body horror is sort of like, being a human is gross, you know, like, yeah. and sort of like, let's ex- let's blow that up and see what that means. Body horror, this body horror, huh, is like a kind of a messy genre in that because it is so, it's like, it's driven, it's driven so much by its aesthetics and its special mm-hmm. effects that it can be a lot of things. I mean, no, yeah. I think that a lot of times, a lot of the times it's also just about like the uncontrollable nature of of technology and culture crushing our relatively fragile biological yeah yeah yeah. no i think you're right i think you're right i'm thinking i was thinking kind of like you know like aliens where it's kind of like (laughs) one reading at least could be something like (laughs) childbirth is really freaky right guys (laughs) yeah but i think that the ultimate the ultimate thing in my reading about body works i like dug into the genre more is Mm um is that you you don't have any control over what is happening to yourself. Like that's a big mm-hmm. portion of it. That's sure. what separates it. So like, so like Halloween, even though it's gory is not body horror because it's, it's like you have these two opposing forces that are like duking it out in body horror. Your body is what's attacking you and there's nothing you can do about it. Like mm-hmm. you can't run upstairs. Like there's no way to escape it. And I think self-loathing and sort of, this sense of like guilt as like a wasting disease um, Mm. is quite frightening and actually Mm. pretty deep considering this is just kind of a, a, like a Looney Tunes uh, Tales from the Crypt episode. A cartoony episode. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It was surprising. I didn't, I had like kind of got through and I was like, Oh, that's really fun. And then I watched the end (laughs) scene again and I was like, man, that really is a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Marty. Yeah. It made me feel bad for Marty. Yeah. Marty, the good guy. I also liked, um, this is just like another riff on the sound and hearing uh, mm-hmm. idea, but I, I kept coming back to like why it has this like music capsule surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it it's like, it kind of works. There's like dualities. It's like on the one hand, it's music is def- like typically a form of expression that can't be ignored. Like it's like mm-hmm. screams of youth to older generations or screams of marginalized people to their oppressors or things like that. Like it's like a, it's sure. a way of yeah. conveying that we have a sense of that you can't ignore that like infiltrates society and like lasts far, be- far beyond anybody's lifetime, you know? So mm-hmm. I kind of liked that as sort of like Marty can't do anything about his conscience because it's this screaming voice that he will never be able to quell. It's just like in there, it's over until he dies. It's going to be with mm-hmm. him. But then I, yeah. but then I also liked um, how like music, especially like this kind of music, you like play really loud to like overwhelm your senses. Right. Yeah. When he when he stands by the speakers and he can't hear his conscience. Yeah. It's too loud. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also and there's like two different prongs of that. Maybe one of them is like you're drowning out your feelings. You play music that's like the opposite of how you feel to like cheer yourself up. Like you play like or you're like tired, so you listen to really energetic music to wake up. <laughs> But then there's also like giving in, like you've like broken up with someone and you listen to really sad music so you can like wallow in your misery, you know, um, or your mom won't let you go over to your friend's house. So you have to listen to Rage Against the Machine and Disturbed in your room. <laughs> you have to listen to some 41 in your room by yourself. And no, you didn't buy it at Walmart. So it has all the swears. <laughs> the best. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, yes, I think yeah, it's um, 
it, it, it seems like it's just sort of conven- it, it, it I think this is like a motif that seems like it's kind of convenient initially, but they commit to the bit enough that it, that it, that it, that it yields some, it's, it, I, I don't know, it's pretty great. Um, I like also how judgy everyone is when they talk about Marty losing his hearing from being in rock music. Yeah, that's <laughs> like right. As if, like, as if, like, oh, if only you had thought to wear earplugs. I you like, wouldn't have to hear your own conscience. I like that, too. Sort of a weird, a weird element. Yeah, every, yeah, everybody's sort of, sort of strangely dickish to Marty about his hearing loss. Also, I feel like now the, the dog my wing aunties is never to put anything in your ears ever. <laughs> I mean, like earplugs, but not like the Q-tips and stuff. Um, I'm an obsessive uh, Q-tip user, so that will uh-huh. not be the path I take. But I, I respect it and understand that my my usage is, is not appropriate. <laughs> it's a problematic fave. Yeah. So yeah. I, I went in kind of a different perhaps more boring direction with my reading. So do you remember like when you would be like taking probably some freshman class in college or something and they then like somebody would very smugly be like, so there are two kinds of cultures, guilt and shame. Mm. You know this? Did you ever have to hear about this? Right. Mm-hmm. It's like this idea in cultural anthropology that there are people they're like, isn't that basically Western culture like shitting all over Eastern culture? Aren't uh, we? Isn't that like yes, America? I, we have real values. You, we have guilt do, and China. Do, they're do, just worried about getting caught. So they have shame. Yeah. Do you do you know how deep this goes? So this idea was popularized and maybe even invented. I can't. It's unclear. I didn't have time to, like, actually read this woman's book. But Ruth Benedict, who is a um, cultural anthropologist who is American, she was born in like 1880 something. But she wrote a book called The Chrysanthemum and the Sword, which was published in 1946. This was at the request of the State Department because they wanted to figure out, like, what's the deal with the Japanese? Yeah. And so she, who did not speak Japanese and never went to Japan because there was a war happening. And she was just, and she was a gal. Come on. Right. But so she has that, she's part of that funny group where um, before this, she did a lot of work with Native Americans and she was in favor of like good things like cultural relativism, this idea that you can't like judge people. You can't judge people by standards that are not their own culture. So like this, you know, these people are immoral savages and like, no, that's not really how. That's not a, that's not good. So she had some good ideas like that, but also she would write about. She also worked big with the Apollonian and Dionysian models. The idea that there are like people who are. Or she would talk about like the the Pueblo Indians are peaceful and plan ahead. They are like Apollonians. They like, uh, which is another something something I feel like I learned about in a freshman seminar at some point, where like they believe in like order and structure. But you know those fiery plains Indians, they like to, they like to do rapes and chase and steal things. They just do whatever they want. <laughs> Dionysians. It sounds like it's like a it sounds like it's like a role playing book describing different types of like dwarf yeah, creatures. Yeah, you're or chaotic evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. right, like, right. But it's that funny thing though, where like you can I can tell that like for the time this was probably pretty woke. But then you're reading back and you're like, ah, this isn't. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> this yeah. feels bad. Um, I but didn't anyway, realize so, it was explicitly racist, the shame versus guilt thing. I just remember well, I, I, I don't really know if it's explicitly like, racist because when you read about it, right, like, yeah. Did you know that there's actually a third poll? So there's guilt, shame and fear. So guilt is like internal, like you're afraid you, you do think you're or you're motivated by like guilt that comes internally. Shame is, of course, like external. You're afraid of being like kicked out of society. Also, apparently getting revenge is a big part of shame culture such mm. that. Such that when I was re- when you read about it, they're like, yeah. And, you know, some of the Celtic groups keep this. And I was like, what's that about? And then I was like, oh, right. Like the Hatfields and the McCoys um, oh, yeah. also. Also. And so, like, there's this idea that's sort of like Christian versus not Christian. But 
You know who else is apparently big on getting revenge are like also some of the Latin cultures and Mexico is very big. And you're like, so wait, so like some of the most Christian cultures are, are, are quote unquote shame cultures. Um, but anyway, the third poll is fear. And that poll is supposed to be like cultures where you just do stuff because you're afraid somebody's going to get mad and hurt you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're so like, like, that you- is like, that's like the most degenerate. <laughs> These people don't believe in anything supernatural. Yeah. So like guilt is something you'd experience if you were a really religious person and you were like, I've harmed other people and that's morally wrong and I feel bad about it. And shame right. is like what what like white people feel when they think about all the terrible things they've done in the course of shame, history. Shame is like, I sure hope the neighbors don't find out about the bodies. Yeah. And then and then uh, fear is like if you're visiting Singapore and you spit your gum out on the sidewalk like a goddamn hooligan and they cane right, you. Right. Get caned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but yes, I, I, I think this is um, having to my relatively uneducated ear, this seems pretty racist and also like not a very useful like, you know, anyway, Part of the reason that they brought this, part of the reason they wanted to do this was they were wondering about like why Japanese POWs like didn't want their families to know they were still alive, but also were willing to like tell like their interrogators like stuff that normally normal um, like Western servicemen generally wouldn't like, you know, where's your base or like where's your ship or like whatever stuff like that. So I was reading about this, but it's just because like, number one, apparently in World War II, uh, the Japanese soldiers were all told that they would be tortured to death if they were caught. And so we're uh, and so also once being they caught, were caught was super they were like, shameful. They were like, this is my life. Like, this is right, it. Right, I can't right, go back. Right. I am. Yeah. I am. I am completely cut off from my society. Yep. Um, they also expect to so do not they, get my family involved in this. It's right, not right. good. Yeah. Right. They didn't know that they weren't about to be tort. They didn't. Really, I don't know if they I don't I couldn't find anything if Imperial Japan was like not a signatory to the Geneva Convention at the time sure. or if they just like didn't didn't tell they didn't they didn't get the like all you have to tell them is your name your serial number and your rank. That's all you have to say. Yeah. They, they didn't know about any of that. And then also, that also was kind of like, and in fairness, like a lot of prisoners were shot in the early stages of the war, <laughs> which I'm laughing because it's just horrible. Um, so you're kind of like, yeah, no, this is not, this is not these, we don't have to like make up things where you're like, they are different. They have a mystical different also, way of looking at the world. You're just like, yeah, no, they're motivated by like similar stuff to what we are. Also, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, I don't I mean, there's a reason <laughs> yeah, that yeah. we all like there's a reason that at least in Western cultures, we have the words fear, shame and guilt. And they're all individual <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we do all feel them and they're all different. I mean, also, I feel like if Vietnam taught anything, it's that it's that people in a war in a bad war situation, there are like no one is like this a whole idea of being like, I'm never going to tell you where people are, no matter how many bamboo shoots you shove up my fingernails. That's like John Wayne nonsense. Like that doesn't yeah. nobody did that. Like the, all the barrel chested uh, <laughs> greatest generation World War Two people didn't do that either. Like, that's just not that's just not it. Aren't we doing exactly this nowadays, too, when we're, we're kind of like, uh, which, you know, like the Taliban, that's just like medieval me, Islam is 1492, you know, whatever. We're like, it's medieval. And that's why. And we're advanced. So we have to protect Western culture. And that's why we need to have a crusade. <laughs> like, like yeah. wait, what? Hold on. I do. I do think it's interesting that in like the hierarchy of those emotions, because like shame, fear and guilt, I think are all pretty like have similar yeah like, right yeah similar uh like uh springs if you will mm-hmm. but 
it's interesting that we as a Western society, maybe it's just because I am of a Western society, I'm like, oh yeah, by far guilt is the most honorable of those. You're like, I'm afraid that my actions hurt other people and I feel bad about that. I have actual morality instead of yeah. just being afraid of consequences yeah. or what other people might think. Although even then, like, isn't though like something, I mean, but like, couldn't you even argue that something like a shame-based idea is actually like sort of more, it's not just like, I shouldn't do this because it'll make me feel bad. It's like, I shouldn't do this because this hurts other people in society at large. Yeah. I mean, I think that just shame is more of like, we perceive it as a more childish emotion. Mm-hmm. Like like that's, that, a, that a bigger person above us ha- has been like, that's dirty and wrong. And then we're like, oh, <laughs> and we feel bad about it. Whereas guilt is something that we have control over, kind of. We're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that thing. But turns out I'm John Wick and I have nothing to lose. Like, it's just... I pay for everything with pirate doubloons. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's just... It's very... To me, it's very um, libertarianism. It's like, real men have guilt. They don't have shame. Also funny because I think a lot of these people also would argue that, like, no, the, the amazing thing is the West has this religion that keeps them in line. So they're not, they're not ashamed of, like, culture or wanting to get revenge. They're just afraid of God. Yeah. They're just, like, they're just guilty about disappointing God. <laughs> they know that God. a magical sky man is going to put the kibosh on them. Yeah. They, they're like, they, they just fall feel, out of line. They'll go to hell. They just feel guilty about not being the best boy according to Jesus. And you're like, oh, you, so you mean they're afraid they're going to go to hell? I mean, yeah, but it's mostly Yeah, guilt. no, but that's, that's, that's a different thing. No, no, yeah. no, no. I Here's mean, society, like, that's American for, like, fear that's different <laughs> it's, it's it's the most complicated and, and, and important kind of fear i will say that when i watched this episode at first i was like very average i was like gonna give mm-hmm. us a 2.5 yeah. but i have talked mm-hmm. myself up and i think based on our conversation so i think that this is a better than average episode mm-hmm. because of its deep themes and i am going to give this a three out of five sausage inspired names nice 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 i actually exactly the same thing where i was like this is an average episode it's like fun and cartoony it's like a three but the more we talked about it i was like i think i'll bump it up so i changed it in my notes too and i'm like 3.5 out of 3.5 out of five jiminy crickets (laughs) jiminy crickets how did i not know i guess i've never it's like when you watch when you watch disney movies as a kid and you're like disney yeah i'm not gonna question that (laughs) wait what (laughs) pause what I didn't realize that Disney, like I knew Disney was his name, but uh-huh. I always perceived that opening his signature as a backwards G. Oh, that D. Oh, <laughs> Disney. You know, Walt Disney. <laughs> probably, probably best not to put that into, into a search engine. Yeah, no, I wouldn't recommend it. But like, I guess I never questioned. It. So when people were like Jiminy Cricket, I was like, oh, that's just like a fun way of saying Jiminy. Great. Jiminy. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Cricket. Jim Cricket. J- Jimmy Crickets sounds like a mobster name. Like 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 somebody in The yeah. Sopranos who gets killed in an episode. Jim is short for Jonathan, right? D- is it? I mean, or James? Jim. Jim. James. James. It's short for James. You'd be like, oh, please. James James Cricket is my father. Call me Jiminy. And they're like, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No. What are we doing next time, Tombo? Next time, we have a tale of boy meets girl and girl meets scarecrow as we settle in for some down-home chicken coop voyeurism in the ninth episode of season two, Four-Sided Triangle. Caw! 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 <laughs> Mariposa! Caw! 
Thank you, as always, for listening to Crypt Creepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitch, or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, and review us. Be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash crypt-creepers to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts. And if you want to throw a few ducats our way, you can follow our Amazon affiliated link in the show description to hopefully purchase your very own box set of the complete works of the the keeper of the crypt the, yeah. <laughs> and and kasir of the john um <laughs> but uh but else you could just purchase anything else you would want on amazon.com yeah. and we would get we would get the money it doesn't matter doesn't matter we do you want to buy like a whole bunch of surge you can do that do you want to buy one of those like cat brushes that you hold in your mouth so it looks like you're licking your cat oh we what what you can. It's like oh. it's a brush that looks like a big tongue, and it's like feel feels... like you're the mama cat, and it's the baby cat. It's so, one of wait, those products that's. Does like, it fool the cat, or is the cat owner only fooling themselves? I think that the cat owner might not be fooling themselves, but is certainly made to be the fool. I think this is one of those things that this is one of those things that Freud is like. Now you have no guilt. You can lick your oh. cat. Oh. Isn't this wonderful? Now you may lick your mother. Now you may lick your stepmother in peace. You can lick your mother. I mean your cats. I, I mean, mean just I whatever mean, you want. I mean lick my mother. I mean no, don't. She's my mother. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Wait, wait. <laughs> I'm having a negative reaction. Super ego, calm down. Um, <laughs> Till next time, kitties. Let's learn from Marty's mistakes. No matter how carefully you plan, no matter how well you think everything is going, mm. at some point, you're going to end up playing it by ear. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>